This is the Star Wars Bad Batch podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We're back talking about the Bad Batch. Season 2, Episode 11, Metamorphosis. The creature appears to be headed in the direction of the village. We're the ones who let it out. We have to neutralize it before it hurts anyone. How? Our blasters are useless on it. Given the fact that the crew was most likely eaten by the creature, I doubt it is currently hungry. It ate the crew? How is that helping, Tech? It ate the crew. Welcome back, fellow Batchers, to TV Podcast Industries. We are talking about Star Wars The Bad Batch, Season 2, Episode 11, Metamorphosis. I am one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow Batchers. I am one of your other hosts, John. And rounding out this group of clones, I am Chris. I mean, I am Chris. I mean, I'm also Chris. We've cloned Chris. Just I so, see what you did there. Just so we can yeah, be here you. more often. Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it was a thinker, really, technically. Like, you know, let's hope there's no defects in the genetic codes. <laughs> We're nothing but defects, but it only makes us stronger, much well, like yes. the Bad Batch. Yes, I, I thought you were going to go for uh, one of the three fantastic beasts, Chris, for this episode. Oh, oh we could better. call him yeah. Dolly, Dolly the Chris. <laughs> <laughs> But welcome back, fellow Batchers, to a really, really good episode of The Bad Batch. We will, of course, be talking spoiler-filled in our discussion about uh, The Bad Batch Season 2, Episode 11. So make sure you watch that episode before you continue on with the podcast, because this is a good one. It really is, yeah. Lots of things we've wanted to happen this season happened in this episode. It really did. Yeah, yeah, I I, I really enjoyed this. Um, Mm -hmm. I think amazing music as well. Oh, yes. uh, In this, it really gave us great sense of atmosphere. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, just the the nod to horror, and in particular the Alien franchise. Well, yes, we will definitely <laughs> be really there. How about yourself, Chris? What do you think of this one? It's almost as if the writers were listening to us last episode <laughs> and did exactly what we wanted in less than seven days. It's amazing. Except that we've had the preview of these episodes for two and a half months, uh, yeah. so we know it was finished quite a long time ago. So yes, they they exactly. knew what they were doing. Hundred uh, percent. I'm very, I'm very, I'm very, very happy with what the, what we got. Um, and yeah, it, 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 it was, it, it's a tough one. It, it, it's like they literally show, re, they re-showed me, um, once again, I should say, they showed me once again why I really enjoy the Bad Batch mm-hmm. and the quality that this show can put out each and every week. Absolutely. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, you can subscribe to the podcast over on tvpodcastindustries.com, our brand new website. Go check it out over there. Of course, it's the same name we've been calling it for almost nine years now, but um, but it does look different. It's very nice over there. Go over there and subscribe to the podcast. We have one feed specifically for The Bad Batch and the other shows that we're covering at the moment, uh, which are Star Trek Picard, the final season, and The Last of Us season one uh almost finished the last of season one just a couple more episodes of that to go so uh so subscribe to the podcast over there you'll get access to all of those episodes as well and we do want to hear your thoughts about all the shows that we're covering you can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with any of your thoughts that you have or to enter any of our uh, pub quizzes that we've got going on on our other shows at the moment as well and if you want to join us you can also join us over on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash TV podcast industries, uh, where we put up a spoiler post for every one of the shows that we're covering and loads of little bits of information and news up there as well. So we hope you join us over there. Yes, we do. But 
Should we get into it, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and botchers? Derek, do you want to tell us who gave us what with this episode? Executive producer of the show, of course, Dave Filoni, Brad Rowe, and Jennifer Corbett. Of course, this episode was written by Sabir Prasada, a very, very recognisable writer for this podcast. Yes. Uh, this is his first episode of The Bad Batch, but last year, he did six episodes of TV that we covered, three episodes of the wonderful Miss Marvel, and three episodes of, I think, the only show so far you've given five out of fives to every single yep. episode, John, Moon Knight. Yes. Yeah. Excellent stuff. And to be honest, from my side, you can really tell in this episode. Mm -hmm. It's just really well done, all the little touches. Um, You know, how much of that was within the script or, you know, through the direction. Mm -hmm. I guess it's one of those soups of uh, TV, movie making. Yeah. It's collaborative, but like really, really good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, So great to have Sabir on board here for uh, this episode. Uh, This episode was directed by Saul Ruiz. This is the eighth episode of The Bad Batch that he directed, including the excellent episode, episode three, Solitary Clone this season. So uh, right people involved in the production of this episode, I think. Definitely. And of course, story editor for the show overall is... Matt Mikdovitz. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for The Bad Batch Season 2, Episode 11, Metamorphosis? Sure. Still annoyed after being stranded by Sid on the mining planet and thinking about finally breaking ties with their unreliable employer, the Bad Batch nonetheless grudgingly head off on a mission from Sid after hearing of a damned ship of cargo ripe for the taking. Elsewhere on the planet of Tantis, Dr. Hemlock arrives at an Imperial facility where Nala Se, imprisoned following the destruction of Kamino, fails to be persuaded to help Hemlock continue her cloning research. Her refusal to serve the Emperor forces Hemlock to consider other avenues to force her to help. More bad news piles on Dr. Hemlock as his assistant informs him that Research Transport 904 has failed to arrive on Tantis. Hemlock orders the recovery of the asset as a matter of urgency. The Bad Batch arrive at the transport only to realise that something terrible had befallen the ship and its crew. As they attempt to collect the cargo and restore power, a strange beast attacks them, seemingly fixated on feeding off pure energy, which accelerates its growth. Escaping the transport, the beast feeds off a nearby town's power supply, and only then does Hunter realise the creature is a Zillow beast, similar to the one that attacked Coruscant during the Clone Wars. While Tech and Omega obtain highly classified files from the Imperial ship, showing the Zillow Beast was cloned on the orders of the then Chancellor Palpatine. As the Imperial forces recover the Zillow Beast and round up the inhabitants of the nearby town to keep the Empire's secret, the Bad Batch escape the chasing fighters on the Marauder. With loose ends to tie up, Hemlock orders the tracking of the unknown military-class ship, and back on Tantis meets Lama Sue, former Prime Minister of Kamino, who informs him of a clone girl that is the key to leverage his former head of research, Nala Say. Ooh, big moments here mm. in this episode. Lots and lots to talk about, I think. Uh, let's get into our blaster points for the episode, our top three moments that we have. Blaster point number one. We have to really start with the opening of the episode. What a way to kick off the episode. The alien-style attack, I think we can call it. Yes. Definitely. Um, this was a great opening, just yeah. seeing that damaged ship adrift. I mean, not just alien or, or aliens, but even a little event horizon. You know, all the, these different kind of 
references. Mm. Um, but I, I loved it from the music, just the whole feel, you know, that single stormtrooper running through, yeah. everything sparking, sort of gas being vented. Uh, you know, it, it just was a opening sort of loving montage to space horror yes. uh, here. And I think that continued through, especially on board the ship, uh, this Transport 904. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really all just um, had such a feeling of alien, um, great atmosphere, and really um, sort of propelled through the music. I mean, there was even a moment where the Bad Batch are investigating the wreckage of this uh-huh. transport, where you get that heartbeat rhythm that you got in Aliens from yes. the sensors. Yes. Uh, and just really good, even just the tail sliding through uh, above mm-hmm. Hunter, Wrecker, and Omega in the laboratory on, on the ship. Just really, just felt like Alien. So I, I, I thought this was great. Absolutely. I have to say the tail that went, uh, that, that slid um, past above reminded me of the trash compactor in uh, in Star Wars A New Hope, where uh, they're all trapped in there and you see kind of the, the tail of the beast uh, under the water. <laughs> Uh, passing them by so there is history in star wars of it as well that's true that's mm. true and the other side of that was just tech in the um on the flight deck of the ship it felt really video gamey as well yep. just with him sort of looking round and back again to the console where he's mm-hmm. trying to restore the power flipping up and down his visor mm-hmm. and then the visor perspective point of view and yep, um, so cool. yeah i thought this was just excellent. Yeah. I, I love this. This for me was that literally all the points John has said and in taking into account as well, like like Dead Space recently came out for video games. That's right. Remake, yeah, the remake, yeah. Sorry, re- remake of the original Dead Space. Mm-hmm. Um and it's very much that. It, it is this guy was you're running down, you can have melee weapons. Less so usually, but more um like I think it was also Clister Protocol, which was full melee weapons right. as well. Um and it is that. It's that kind of if you dark and closed spaces, vents, mm-hmm. things like that. Like you hear a growl in the corner, you don't know if it's above you, below you, yeah. to the left or right. And that there's something to say about that what yeah. goes bump in the night yeah. uh tie style. And as as we learn a bit more about it as well, we kind of there are touches of Jurassic Park, of course, as well, because, you know, the what the stormtroopers are carrying are these electro staffs, which will push the beast back, which you get within uh, the the trainers in Jurassic Park who are yep. trying to keep back the beast. But when they get free, they eat them. <laughs> so uh, so what we That's do see, I was, I was quite surprised at this. I have to check it a couple of times. I think the first time the Batch see the Zilla Beast hanging out of the ceiling, he's eating the arm of one of the stormtroopers. He's um, not eating the arm. He's eating the remains. He's like... Full on. That's all. That's, yes. Like you see the rest of the. If you, I, because I thought that and I was like, yeah. oh, he's just got the arm. No, he's got the whole guy. Yeah. It's just all you see is the. Arm. You just see the, yeah. the last of his fingers being uh, yeah. being sucked into his mouth. It's like that's quite. Uh, but still holding the the staff as well. So he just drops it for. Uh, not for only Walker, does, yeah. yeah, not only does he like a bit of meat, mm-hmm. but he also does like pure energy. Yes. Yes. Well, that's all the bodies are. They're just like lots and lots of batteries of energy. Yes, so do we think that the reason why the stormtroopers particularly are getting attacked, you see the, the, the big difference in these stormtroopers is their their energy light bulbs that seem to be on the front of their masks. Like, is it is that attracting the Zillow Beast more to attack them and kill them than it is yeah, for, I guess for like the Bad a, Batch? Yeah, I guess a moth 
to a lamp exactly. or something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I wonder if it's, I wonder if it's something to do with that, but a wonderful opening scene. Really, really enjoyed that. Um, and yeah, as you say, it does continue throughout the episode, but, uh, but that moment itself when you have the stormtrooper running down the hallways, looking all around him, him, the only person left on this crashing ship. And he's more worried, obviously, about his life. He's probably going to die in the crash, but he's more worried about, uh, being attacked by the monster at this time. So, yeah. I uh, thought that was quite cool. Excellent. Uh, let's move on to blaster point number two. They did it. Finally, they did it. After two seasons of being sent out on missions and an entire season this season where they failed every mission uh, sent to them by Sid, it took the fact that she wouldn't even send a transport to pick them up for them to finally break ties with Sid. Yeah. They could have been left there forever. I love Sid's response to them when all of the Bad Batcher are giving out to her. Even Amiga is like, what are you doing? You know, she spent lots of time with Sid before and considered her a friend. But even Amiga's um, giving out to her. And Sid's kind of going, but what's the problem? You got your ship back. <laughs> Shut up and go out in the next mission. But that's it. Yeah. Everything ended off all right in the end. What What yeah. are you worrying about? Why are you tying yourself up in knots? But um, yeah, no, I... I I'm really glad it was said, ultimately, mm-hmm. um, primarily from Hunter, you know, where he says, what makes you think will come back at exactly. all. Uh, so that that was really good. And then Tech coming in, because actually Tech makes the point which possibly I wasn't considering as heavily right. as um, I possibly should have been doing uh, in, in considering whether, you know, why they haven't split already. He talks about... You know, given she knows what she knows about them, mm-hmm. um, it would be problematic um, to break ties with Sid. Yeah, you know, let's, let's sure. look for a diplomatic solution yeah. so that we can break away and she may not give out our information. Like we did mention this in the episode where we were introduced to Fee for the first time, a known pirate in the galaxy who's been told all about the individual members of the Bad Batch by Sid. So Sid's not afraid to share this information with people. And as we can see here, if it makes her money... It's very likely she'll share the details of who the bad batch yeah. are. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, they do go on one last mission for her because she does up her cut for them. Um, I, I like how it starts with Sid saying, well, I'll give you 30%. And it's like, that's our normal that's our cut. Normal cut yeah. But she makes it to 50, half and half. So yes. Third juice. What do you want to do? Mope or make money? <laughs> I love that line from Sid. But do we think this is the proper breakaway from Sid? No, because they still fail again. <laughs> Even at the end of this episode, they fail. That's so you're true. just like they still haven't. They're just like, yeah, one more job. They haven't even completed that one more job yet. That is true. And Sid does kind of make the point. You know, this is a mission you cannot fail. Mm-hmm. It's a damn ship. I mean, she doesn't know the contents of the ship. Yeah, but um, it it almost feels a little bit like a threat of. Or else, if they do come back. Maybe. I mean, I'm kind of just extrapolating a yeah. bit from that. It's, it's what's unsaid here. But she, you know, she seems to be making the point, this is a win-win. Don't mess up. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually like the other side of that more. Because she sent them on, she sent them on this mission once again. They're going, okay, we'll do this job, one last job for it. And then they look into the mission and it's basically... Downship, here's the coordinates. No detail, no transponder coordinates, no nothing to track where the ship is, uh, no details behind it, no idea what the cargo is. It's like, just go here and get it. It's a simple job, but I've given you no details beyond the mission. So I think it actually cuts another wedge in between 
the batch and Sid because they're going, not only is she expecting us to do all these missions for us, she's giving us no detail behind yeah. them either. I, I, I do believe that by the end of the next three episodes, like they will no longer be working with Sid at all. Like, I this three think so. In the season, yeah. I think by the end of the season, yeah. they'll have broken away. The question is, have they broken away to a new handler mm. or do they go almost full rebellion and work with the, 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 the fledgling separatists that are there at yeah. the moment? I think that probably leads us quite well into our final blaster point because there's a couple of little nods in there that I think we need to talk about in connection with Sid and connection to where the Bad Batch are going to be going. So uh, let's pop on to blaster point number three. <laughs> So we have mentioned the Zillow Beast. Um, fans of the Clone Wars will recognize the Zillow Beast in its final form. Let's say this is like a Pokemon, basically. Uh, it starts out as a as a uh, an alien style, very small one that could fit inside a ship, and then it's the size of uh, a massive ship. By the end of the episode, the more energy it, it uh, fuels up with. But the reason why people from uh, who watch the Clone, Clone Wars would recognize it is because in I think it's season one actually. It's very early on, uh, maybe season two of the Clone Wars. The Zillow Beast attack. Coruscant, uh, the the energy center of the galaxy, almost an entire planet made of a te- of, of a city, effectively. So the Zillow Beast has been in the show before, but that story effectively ended with Chancellor Palpatine after it had been knocked out by a poisonous gas. I think it was yeah. uh, Chancellor Palpatine calls for it to be cloned because of this ability it has. Uh, its its armor, effectively, its skin is impervious to shot, so he wants to use that clone it. And turn it into new armor for his new troopers, effectively. So, uh, so a long time ago, there's a reference to uh, the the Chancellor wanted to use the clone technology for other things that can enhance his new Imperial army. So, uh, all that way back, and now it's coming into season two of the Bad Batch. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Do you think he cloned it into himself? <gasps> well, there, there's definitely the fact that the Emperor now has taken control of cloning technology, and we've all seen. The Rise of Skywalker. So we know how this ends for the Emperor. We've also seen this connected in The Mandalorian as well. Uh, cloning technology that the Emperor is using to make his stronger army, effectively. Yep. So uh, so this is the starting point, really, or at least yeah. more details behind it, which is a great connection in with the wider world of Star Wars, I think. Oh, huge. Like, this for me was like the... the I like the Zilla Beast. I've never seen it before. Again, mm. I, I'm coming in. I hadn't watched... Um, the Clone Wars. Gotta get on that, Chris. <laughs> I know, I know, but it's all—it's kind of like it's like always sunny Philadelphia. It's just like, oh yeah, there's like here's twelve seasons you need to watch. Um, <laughs> watched, exactly. Like, we watched Always I, Sunny in Philadelphia over a course of like a month and a half, didn't we? It was during yeah. lockdown. Yeah, yeah. Exactly when you had nothing else to do. That's true. Except record like two hundred and fifty podcasts oh, in a year. We had yeah. So many podcasts. <laughs> the Zillow Beast storyline was cool. The mm-hmm. the horror aspect fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, um, it growing like you said, Pokemon style uh, evolving. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, this this is deadly. I zeroed in very much in on the cloning aspect. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. So this is another planet with cloning bits, and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, they're trying to build new clones of stormtroopers. Um, of kind of essentially like variations with different things because mm. we had seen that there is a another sniper elite unit of um kind of clones that has been previously 
one of the uh, earlier episodes we saw it as a sniper. We thought it was Crosshair. It wasn't. In the big two-parter, yeah. In the big two-parter. And I was like, oh, maybe it's that. And then I just straight away went, oh, no, no. This this is 100% linking into the, the... the, the the newer trilogy. This mm-hmm. is basically, and then when you started talking about the the electricity skin and feeds on energy, I'm like, oh, okay, well, yes. What other Jed, like, evil Sith Jedi, protrudes electric kind of <laughs> thunder and lightning from his fingertips? And probably it would be good if his flesh and skin had some form of kind of protection from that <laughs> yeah it makes him even more powerful if somebody else used to use the yes, electricity exactly. on him yeah that'd be kind of cool yeah so he's researching all of this stuff with the help of two characters well one character definitely um yeah. or trying to get the help of one character that we thought may have been gone at the end of last season when her entire planet was taken down but yeah now say uh is in prison here uh the lead clone uh engineer from camino yeah, so no, I think I think we knew that she got away um, at the yeah. end of last season, but uh, had been taken away. But yeah, uh, we def- didn't know she was in prison. Definitely. I mean, I love that we kind of come back to this planet called uh, Tantis, mm-hmm. uh, which we saw right at the end of season one of Bad Batch, where it was more they discovered stormtroopers for yes. the first time. This this huge imperial facility again, looking very cool, uh, being sort of in deep the in the mountains yeah, yeah. It's very cool. um very really enjoyed that there, isn't it? <laughs> um i i loved um dr hemlock just kind of really kind of threatening mm-hmm. in in that quiet threatening way um and recognize the the voice there of jimmy simpson absolutely Dr. Hemlock. Yeah, yeah, funny that Chris mentioned always in, uh, in uh, Philadelphia, yeah. where Jimmy Simpson is a, a major character throughout most of the seasons. Very weird yep. character, but yes. uh, most people probably know him better from Westworld, yes. uh, season one. Oh, okay. I still haven't watched that either. So, yes, no, I know from what, <laughs> okay. many other things, but yes, that uh, always sunny. And it, it was his voice I got straight away. Yeah. Uh, it's that kind of like, oh, I know him, but he could be one of two other people, actors, because they have quite similar kind of deep voices. And then I was like, oh, no, 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 that's Jimmy. I got him. Okay. <laughs> yep. But but it's here that uh, Nala say is, you know, doesn't want to be involved here with, with this. She kind of knows what the Emperor is up to. Absolutely. Um, and it's also about the Empire. It's not just simply sort of removing the tech it was the attack on Kamino was to acquire the asset of the Kiminoans uh cloning technology mm. in order to control it which is what tech finds out as well in the data banks of the the, the transport ship yeah I, I like how this ends where you know on the one hand you have all the locals being rounded up mm-hmm. um to make sure that this the secret of the clone Zillow Beast doesn't get out yet. Yes. The Marauder escapes and the clones escape. They don't know who is on board that ship at that moment, but then it's, you know, all this highly classified military stuff they need to track down. And you, you get this from Hemlock, you know, find out who was aboard that, that class of ship. Exactly. So I really, I kind of really enjoyed that. And I liked how it also then, 
you know, it fed into seeing the former prime minister of Camino, Lamassu. Mm-hmm. It's, it seems like, even though we're not entirely sure, it seems like Hemlock, whilst he can deal with this cloning technology, there's maybe aspects of it that he needs the expertise. So he's trying to persuade Nala Say to be involved. Yeah. Um, I do love her reasoning behind yeah. why she doesn't want to help them. Well, you destroyed my planet and yeah. all of the cloning facilities. Why do you think I'm going to help you? Exactly. I understand what the plans of the emperor are. I'm not going to help. Um, so, so I, I, I do agree, of course, with, uh, with Nalase here, but, uh, but Lamassu, yeah, he brings the, uh, the way of possibly getting Nalase to help, which is. And there his is, own freedom. Yes. There is, there is one clone girl who could be the key to get to unlocking Nalase's help. And controlling here. her, yeah. Uh, we know that girl very well. We've been uh, with her for the last two seasons. Omega is the key. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it looks like the, there's going to be this imperial threat now for uh, the Bad Batch again. Mm-hmm. You know, they've been kind of off-radar, we were saying about that. Um, yeah. And But now we have uh, the potential that they'll be sniffing around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have a good bit of season left, and mm-hmm. I think they're they're setting it up well now. Like they're kind of like, okay, so Omega's the key in order to get the remaining Kiminoans or the the two of them? Mm. Question mark. But like, are we down to Noah's arcing a whole planet at the moment? I but, guess so. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're and, the uh, last of their kind. Yeah, and um, Analyse and Lamasu do not get on very well. No. And the only, I think, the only other Kaminoan that we know is the one that's in um, that's in uh, on Coruscant. Yeah, uh, in the council, and again another not very nice person. I don't think they're actually they're not in the council. They got they lost their their role in the council. Yeah, yeah there's no planet, I guess, uh, for Kamino. It was well, the representative. There's just no this civilization. Yeah, yeah, that guess. Essentially, like they're starting to thread. Like, okay, well, what do we need to move forward with this clone mm-hmm. storyline? Because again, our protagonists are clones, and we still need to figure out where we're going into the next season, kind of thing. Yes, we do, and I think there's a little indication. Uh, we kind of knew this was coming as well. Yes. So, so two things here, and this is why I wanted to hold it, hold the discussion for Sid over to this point. So, um, they're on the trail of the Bad Batch now. The the Imperials know that they are there. They they uh, they are now uh, following them. It's been given as a as an order from Doctor Hemlock to track them down. So, if they go back to Sid's, or if the Imperials track them to SIDS and get the information from her. Um, that's kind of where I th- what I think might happen next episode, that, or well, in the next couple of episodes, that the Batch might be on their way back to Ord Mantell and the planet may be destroyed by the Imperials, or Sid may have given up the information, one, one or the other. So I think this is the breaking of their relationship. I yeah. don't think we're going to see them get another mission from her this the, season. I've been wrong before on that. Yeah. But, um, well, this might yeah. be where the earlier warning of um, Sid's traitorous nature mm-hmm. uh, may come out uh, yeah. and play. Exactly. Do, I do very quickly. Do we think Wanda Sykes' fee is going to be would become a recur- recurring character? Possibly. To replace, like because you need you need a Sid because again, like even into going into the future, you need that story of the week kind of handler to kind of throw them out every now and again an odd job maybe so. but i think the other side of the end is probably where i th- what i think is happening and i think this is where we always hoped it was going to go in the show um they send the information about the zilla beast about the cloning technology and all of the information that uh, tech took from the down ship 
off to Rex and Echo to investigate yeah. and see wh- how this could help what they're trying to do, what who they're trying to save within within the galaxy. So I would hope, at least, that this will become a point where the Bad Batch will eventually join up with Rex and Echo again and go on missions to save other people in the galaxy who are under threat from the Imperials. They've now seen the kind of technology that's involved. They've seen multiple planets that are uh, under Imperial control and multiple peoples who are getting oppressed by the Imperials now. So um, so whether they need someone to be the mission giver of the week, Fee has kind of been more of an adventurer. So if yeah. they need an adventurer, it may be come along with me for a one-off adventure, uh, yeah. potentially, yeah. and they'll, they'll do that as episodes of the show. But they don't necessarily need to go back to someone and uh and, a bounty kind uh, of thing. to to get money especially since they failed every mission yeah. so far given to them by uh by Sid so I I do have a question about clone clone wars mm-hmm. not clones because we we know a lot about clones <laughs> um could we end up with a kind of anthology season next season where you're going to have the bad batch with Omega doing their stuff like for like two or three episodes or one episode. Then you get a Reco, which is Rex and Echo. Um, <laughs> that's their, that's a couple name, uh-huh. Echo. And w- having a kind of an episode about them <laughs> and then having a couple uh, like episodes about Crosshair on, on the dark side doing his mm-hmm. thing. And we kind of bounce between those. Is that something that has previously done, been done where it's like, hey, this is like, did you get like an Anakin story and then a Soka story and then a kind of uh, Kenobi story kind of hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. That happened. That happened all the time. You'd have, um, you'd have arcs that didn't include Anakin in them at all. Arcs that didn't include uh, Ahsoka arcs that followed some other members of the Jedi council that weren't even major characters in, yeah. uh, in the, uh, in the regular okay. clone wars. So uh, loads of different ways. This is a massive universe. And I think they love exploring that. I know this show is called the bad batch, but we've already had, I think two episodes this season that didn't really feature. Uh, the Bad Batch at all. Yeah. Uh, the first of the two-parter didn't even have them mentioned in the episode. It was only they came in in the second part of that episode when they were called in and they only had a minor point to play in that overarching story. So, uh, so yeah, you could absolutely have episodes that don't feature uh, The Bad yeah. Batch in, in the future. And I, I would hope if they do get together with Rex and Echo and the other people that are out there. Remember, we also have Bail Organa out there. We also have Commander Cody out there. You know, we have other people that... Yeah are on missions to save people yeah. in the galaxy or being oppressed that the Bad Batch could link up with. So Yeah. yeah. And of course, the Sol Guerrera still out there. There is Sol. Uh, yeah. Living the dream. Yes, absolutely. Do we have an animated Andor crossover coming up in the future? Oh, God, yeah. I have to say that moment when the uh, when the Imperials decided that they'd take all the villagers away because they, uh, they may have seen the Zillow Beast and could expose their secret, I was like, oh, wow, that is definitely like that episode Andor when he gets put in prison for something a crime he didn't commit basically it's yeah. like these people are way outside the rules and regulations that used yeah. to be there under the uh, under the Galactic Empire I guess uh, though that's still around uh, under the Republic yeah. <laughs> so yes. uh, they are they are really overstretching um, and just rounding up people now yeah so look overall like this episode was great like it, mm-hmm. especially when it came to this final kind of cloning aspect when it came to this, the, like them collecting the Zillow Beast, bringing yeah. him back, continuing the experimentation, yeah. like going out to find the batch, like this is putting us on the trajectory that we kind of wanted. I like, hey, here's here's yeah, 
kind of a story, i.e. They, they got sent on a mission, mm. but they've given us so much more else that like, we're able to go, oh, well, now well, this connects to here, and this is this, and then that's Dr. Hemlock, and he's probably this, like, he's a werewolf, you know, like, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Um, okay. Sorry, Hemlock joke, Yeah, you know? <laughs> You're right, though. It is it is uh, excellent connections that we have uh, from yes. the, from this episode. Really, really good. Totally right, Chris. Uh, uh, it, it, that's your final thoughts on the episode. Anything else to add to your final thoughts? Really, just like I, I, I don't because we were so. And again, I wanted people to. I wanted to jump on this because we were not negative, but because we were starting to kind of go er, ger, arg on some <laughs> of the storylines. Yeah. Uh, in our in our last kind of discussions. This is what I wanted. This episode, like, literally pulled me back in and made me go, I can't wait for next yeah. week. Now, yeah. because I'm like, you're putting me on the path where I'm like, each episode, I'm like, okay, let's do this next, next, next. I can do this. Mm-hmm. I want to find out more. Um, and it, it was just spectacular. It reminded me of why I enjoy podcasting about this show. Yeah. Um, because it gives me that discussion points with my friends, but also I'm like, Oh, do you remember that thing in this show, in this part of like in Andor? Mm-hmm. Like, I know we're going to end up having connections closer now because Dave Filoni likes doing that. Yeah. So we're going to start getting more and more connections. Uh, and like you said, rounding people up. It was in Andor. They brought, there's writers rooms in Lucas Ranch where they just all chat to each other mm-hmm. when they're kind of breaking a story down. So absolutely fantastic. Final thoughts. Excellent, excellent. How about you, John? What's your What's your final thoughts on the Bad Batch season two, episode eleven, Metamorphosis? Yeah, I really love this episode. Uh, I'd give this five Brillo beasts out of five. Nice. Um, <laughs> I think this is how you do a mission of the week episode mm-hmm. that connects yeah. into the wider universe at this time, even just with the taking away of the the inhabitants of the local town. Mm. It connects to previous events in the world in terms of the Zillow beast, but also the destruction of Camino and all that thread. It has great, um, just great atmosphere, great music. I thought for this episode and I like, I love the introduction of Dr. Hemlock, you know, Mm -hmm. so this had a load of different elements here that I absolutely just loved. So, um, and you know, then the, the, the intrigue and the, you know, the threat then that Dr. Hemlock and the Imperials now are on the trail again of the Bad Batch. So for me, this was absolutely superb uh, episode mm-hmm. uh, in this series. Um, I'd give it five Brillo Beasts out of five. Fantastic. Good for the pans. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Derek, what about yourself? I love this, um, but I just want to make sure that I'm that I'm clear. I just want a bit more of this balance in other episodes. I have no problem with the episode, the, the one-off episodes, uh, which are, you know, mission of the week. There's no issue with that. This episode is a mission of the week. Oh, yeah. But the yeah, fact definitely. that they just call out those connections that we wanted them to call out in the past makes this so far beyond what we saw the pre- previous two weeks. Previous two weeks were fine. They were grand. But I wish we had a line or two in those episodes that would have connected it to the, that would have elevated mm-hmm. them uh, into this level. So we've gone from episodes that were, you know, three or three or four out of five to a five out of five, 
but you could balance them. You could just put a little yeah. bit of these in the other episodes absolutely. and that would yeah. elevate them just a little bit higher. So the moments in this episode that connect to the other episodes, absolutely great. Connecting all the way back to early episodes of the Clone Wars, connecting, as, as Chris said, to, you know, sideways to stuff that, that could potentially be an Andor, uh, references to things that we saw in, uh, in the Mandalorian, like, you know, what happens when you have troopers that uh, have armor that can't be pierced by uh, by laser blasts? Well, we've kind of seen that in live action uh, before. And then, of course, the Empire Emperor having control of the cloning technology, which will eventually come into major play in, in uh, the, big, the big movies, you know, all of that contained in this 22 minute episode. Excellent work. Really, yes. really enjoyed it. Uh, so happy about that. The one other thing I do want to call out, out about the episode that I absolutely loved, and I don't know whether it was just me, I was really focused on it because I loved it. The animation in the show has always been really good, but there's a moment when Amiga and uh, Tech walk into the cloning room and they mention that it's cold. And yeah. from that point onwards, you see the steam coming out of their breath. That's such a difficult thing to yeah. do in animation and it works so well. It doesn't look out of place, but you see Amiga breathing every time she's yeah, talking that's really um, good and that's so cool to, to to just have that attention to detail that they have in animation that's i really I, cool. I had that as well in my notes just the breath from amiga yeah um in the cold lab so cool yeah really good yeah particle physics man particle physics you gotta love it good stuff let's move on to some feedback for last week's episode for uh, episodes nine and ten uh, first up we got an email in from shannon in pittsburgh he says greetings Derek, john and chris this is the first time writing to you although it feels long overdue and i hope it doesn't get boringly long I first found your podcast during episode three of the first season of The Bad Batch and was pulled in right from the start. Since that point, I have listened to just about every episode of the movies and TV shows you've continued to cover. While not every show that you've covered has been my cup of tea, I have to admit that the three of you have exposed me to new forms of entertainment that I either would not have previously considered, like The White Last Man, The Witcher, or The Umbrella Academy, while also providing the impetus for going back to revisit some of the shows I missed, like Invincible or The Boys. I've listened to a number of different movie TV review podcasts before, but I tend to not stick with them because the hosts eventually get to the point where they are so negative about the shows they cover just to seemingly prove to their audience that they are not just fans, but rather experts. The three of you do a great job of balancing being fans of the material while also being able to offer for a critique without being critical just for its sake. In fact, the way you all stay positive, even about episodes of mo or movies that don't meet your expectations, example, most of season two of Picard, is among the biggest reasons that I look forward to new episodes anytime they're available. Before I offer my feedback on past two episodes of The Bad Batch, I just wanted to thank you for being the genuine people that you are and continuing to share the love and fun that you have with everything you cover and hope you will continue to do so for many more adventure-filled years. Oh, God damn it, dude. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Shannon. That's uh, that's a really nice, I guess, review. But also yeah. your journey with us. So great stuff. Yeah, thanks. absolutely. Thanks thanks so much, John. Yeah, we, we always have said in the past that when we're watching shows, we know how difficult it is to make a television show. We know how difficult it is to make a movie. There's so many that don't get made. So we know the intent of someone making it is always positive. They want to have an enjoyable experience for the viewer. So that's where we come from. So we're looking at it as positively as we can. But we will, of course, call out if something uh, didn't work for us, because what's the point in not mentioning it? But we're not going to be critical for critics uh, for, for the sake of being critical. In fact, I always say the reason why we set up this podcast was because... I had listened to so many podcasts that had the one guy in the corner who moaned about everything they watched because that's what they felt balance was on a podcast. You had to have someone positive oh, yeah. and someone negative. And I hated that. Yeah. Uh, listen to someone being negative about a show I enjoyed every week. 
not my no. not my cup of tea. <laughs> and look, dude, if you wanted, if anyone wants a negative, there's thousands of podcasts like that. Yeah, angry yeah. guy reviews, white angry guy reviews X. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just type that in, and it's yeah. gonna you're gonna get thousands of hits. It's why we didn't cover Jupiter Legacy. Yes, like I love all of those comic books. I still read them to date. Mm-hmm. That show just did not work. Whatever happened, again, they set out to make a great show, just didn't work in the end. And we were like, we don't want to be. Add to that negativity, so yeah. we're not going to bring that negativity. Exactly. And again, as you've seen over our previous, some of our previous episodes, even when we don't like something, we'll try and find some of the good, some of the, try and figure out what they were trying to go for and bring you through on that journey too. So again, because a lot of people poured their heart and soul, and sometimes when you put all these great ingredients together, they just don't work. Mm-hmm. It's like a cake. Yeah. Essentially, it's like a cake. You can review a really good cake and it was all the best ingredients. Yep. Sorry, I'm really hungry. Can you tell? <laughs> I can tell. I can um, tell. <laughs> if you put all the ingredients and you just bake it a bit too long, it's burnt cake. Yeah. If you do it not long enough, it's still dough or yep. goo. If you do it just right, it's a perfect. But maybe then the the, the jam is off and then it just <laughs> tastes okay, terrible. Or all right, Chris. Celia. We get yeah. the analogy, right, Chris. Has clearly Delia. been watching uh, the Great British Bake Off as well uh, recently. <laughs> Well, back to Shannon and, and uh, thanks again Shannon for, for those thoughts about the the uh, podcast overall uh, some thoughts on episodes 9 and 10 of The Bad Batch in listening to your review of episode 9 I too felt like it was a bit of a weird fit into the season overall however now after seeing episode 10 and getting the chance to watch them back to back I feel like there were very, a few very subtle and important ways in which the writers have moved The Bad Batch forward as a group in episode 9 the way in which they were able to humanise Tech even a little through his interactions with Amiga and helping her to cope with some of the grief that she was feeling over the departure of Echo were as important for him as they were for her. His response to Amiga's question of whether they were f- a family or not was something you could tell Echo struggled with conceptually as they need to be willing to leave wounded or dead comrades behind was something that he had to do in order to remain disconnected and, in his words, be a good soldier. One wonders if the writers may be setting up Tech to either have to sacrifice himself or deal with the sacrifice of one of the other Batch members by the end of the season now that the concept of family is more relevant for him. I also agree with Chris that the Animal Stampede had a Lion King vibe. The first time I watched the episode, I was genuinely concerned that Hunter was going to be seriously hurt or worse, since he has been the most father-like figure over the course of the first two seasons. By the end of episode 10, the fact that the team was exposed to people they could help who were not living through the hardships just because of the Empire's also seemed like a shift in the approach of the, of the series. Since departing the Empire in Season 1, it has been expressed a lot that all the team wanted to do was stay out of the Empire's way, which also became a bit of friction between Hunter and Echo, and ultimately led to Echo's departure. Interestingly, I think it is possible that Echo and Rex were both older generations than the Batch, and thus more exposed to different ideas of freedom and helping the general public for a longer period of time. Let's not forget that the Batch were an elite force who probably rarely interacted with citizens of the Republic since their missions were more focused than the General Army would have been, now they realise that they can help people or at least consider themselves part of a growing group who are like them and have the power to offset the evil the Empire is spreading across the galaxy. Couple their growing understanding of their place in the galaxy along with the way they seem to be growing more discontented with their jobs that Sid is sending them on and how she is becoming less reliable almost makes it certain that over the remaining episodes of the season they are going to leave Ordnantel either because Sid betrays them or she is no longer around. While I don't think episode 9 or 10 are particularly strong on their own, when taken together you can see the series beginning to shift in some ways that will impact how the final part of the season and series overall plays out. I look forward to hearing your take on episode 10 and know that I'm going to be entertained and learn something 
I may have missed or not considered. Thank you for all you're doing to bring such joy and entertainment to everyone with all your takes on many, many shows and movies that you're covering. Hopefully, Derek can get some rest along the way too. Best regards. <laughs> Sincerely, Shannon in Pittsburgh. Thanks so much, Shannon. Thanks, Shannon. And no, Derek's not getting rest. If he gets rest, you don't get podcasts. That's not how this works. <laughs> we will forever just pump him full of caffeine. That's how this works. Yeah, absolutely. Derek hey, uh, needs his rest. We, I do need my rest. We can, we can officially confirm that we will be going on a little bit of break, uh, a couple of weeks break in uh, in April, and I think weirdly it coincides with the finale of Picard uh, being released. Um, so after the Bad Batch, after Last of Us, after Picard, then I get a rest. That's that's basically it. So what that means is during that period we're going to have at least two shows that we have to cover, and we're going to yeah. be away. So <laughs> so we will be getting a rest coming too. Yeah, exactly. A, a full an enforced rest. Yes. Uh, but yeah, no thanks, uh, Shannon, for for the feedback. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think when we covered episode ten, it was you know as a whole those those episodes felt more um, sort of cohesive mm-hmm. uh, when looked at separately. So definitely agree with you there. So yeah. yeah, thanks so much for your thoughts. And I think now with this episode, mm-hmm. um, it really is that trajectory was set there yeah. uh, on on those two with the loss of Echo. You know that disruption get some thinking about the the other aspects uh in their day-to-day including yeah. sid and especially given her immediate dismissal of really trying to help them out so mm-hmm. um yeah totally agree yeah and i know i was a bit a bit negative on episode 10 i hope we still provided some entertainment uh we got a bit of feedback i know chris you weren't uh available for the feedback section but we got, did get a bit of feedback that did kind of clarify uh and made me a little less uh down on episode 10 but uh but this episode certainly has brought us back to a great place with the bad batch yeah no 100 percent. thanks so much shannon and if Absolutely. you were a cake what type of cake would you be and why <laughs> just go back to this cake all cake right analogy all come way. on nigella stop it let's go <laughs> i'm delia smith excuse me my, my best friends with snoop Dogg. Love it. let's move on to the next piece of feedback yes we got some feedback over on facebook for episode 10 from dr bob phillips who says this was a good second half of our not two-parter with the kids of star wars universe being exposed to the destructive nature of capitalism and colonialism Mm -hmm. plus gonk saves the day indirectly the episode got back to the mixture of plot arc and ensemble that had made the first season work and we got to have more dangerous battles over pits of fire held up by rope and wood with interstellar transport why can't people build better bridges <laughs> exactly um well i guess it's just their culture it is and it's also a massive feature of star wars right the way back to a new hope there's always been bridges that don't have sides on them or uh, or any form of health and safety measures well, all the way true. through to uh, can we say the the death of Han Solo? Um, yeah, all I mean, the way through to that. That's yeah. on a bridge that doesn't have any any uh, safety measures on it either. So yes, people are not good at bridges in this universe. Yeah, I mean the the Death Star w- was an internal yeah. death trap, let alone an external one for the Look people at the of the galaxy. Stormtrooper who hit his head. <laughs> well, yeah. running forward yeah. it's like oh that door again <laughs> all damn. the clones are the same height yeah. just make the door open higher than that but yeah. if you I, I wonder if there is an explanation to this the uh in attack of the clones wasn't it revealed that the death star was built by 
well, creatures with wings, basically bugs with wings. So yeah. maybe they didn't need to have um, that's true anything blocking yeah. them from falling because they could just fly. <laughs> but I guess it was so expensive they had to find cost savings somewhere. So mm. they just decided railings <laughs> down around massive sort of elevated Drops. gantries. I mean, you know, you've got geriatric Kenobi sort of just hanging on for dear life to get rid of the shield. Mm. So it's like, ah, you know? <laughs> Look, for me, it, it always comes back down to, it's George, it's George Lucas homage. Look at all the way back to all the bridges in Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. There's like, True. they're always going to break. They're always going to fall. They're always rickety. <laughs> yep. Like in the universe that is connected to George Lucas, bridges are death traps. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Thanks, Dr. Bob. Yeah, thanks, Dr. Bob. Yep, thanks, Dr. Bob. Now, our final piece of feedback comes in from Russell Hooper, who had this to say. Did anyone else get the Force Awakened vibes when Benny was essentially being, trying to think of a nice family-friendly way to put this, taken advantage of by Moko? Mm-hmm. I looked at my wife when Benny was trying to convince Moko to make him Employee of the Month and said, this is just a remake of Ray on Baku when she was selling scrap for food. Yes, one half portion. Yes, <laughs> I did. I did say to Russell that uh, we use that phrase an inordinate uh, amount of time for two adults in our house uh, yeah. when serving dinner. <laughs> so, uh, so, so yes, I should have recognised that connection. Uh, one half portion for you, John. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I feel like Oliver Twist now. Please, uh, can I Please have some more? more? Like a full portion. One more portion. <laughs> Russell went on to say. The scene where Hunter swings to catch Omega was really well done visually. Mm-hmm. You guys have mentioned the timing by Omega. Another potential use of the Force in a small way? Yes. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes. No. Maybe, yeah, maybe. maybe. No, just, just true trust in the other Bad Batch members I'm, I'm going for. Okay. I want her to be a Force user. I know you do. have this, okay? Not happening this time. There's so many uh, Force no, users in the galaxy. It's true. <laughs> Russell went on to say, let's say you're right and the show goes on long enough to... To need to add, replace characters. What type of people do you think they should add? Both from a storytelling point of view, and this is what the Bad Batch need to get their jobs done point of view. Mm. I'm keen there's basic pilot, engineer, mechanic, fighters, etc. But a rogue, like Benny or even Han Solo, Lando Christian type, a force user... Assuming that's not Omega, Omega will certainly become the leader of the Batch when she gets older... In the vein of Leia and Hera, I'd like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, need to finish the podcast. Thanks for letting me go on and on and on. No problem, Russell. Thank you so much. And you're not going on and on at all. Uh, I'm I'm of the, it needs a bit of a force user and a, a rogue, like Benny or kind of the Hansel or the, the, the scoundrel, if you will. Um, the, those are the ones that I think it's missing. The one who can kind of blag their way out. Um, of a den of iniquity, a scum, right. of scum and villainy, like that type of person. A and Jack Crusher, if you will. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Jack Crusher. Yeah. The other star thing that we've not stuck right. with. Yeah, here. definitely. I mean, I, I really like the idea of Benny coming on mm-hmm. when it's Omega who becomes the leader of the batch um, as she gets mm-hmm. older. I like that um, connection to Leia and Hera. Uh, for sure that you mentioned there, Russell. Um, I also feel like most of Star Wars, because I'm so obsessed with him as a character that, you know, we just need Grand Admiral Thrawn as well, uh, chucked in there. Joining the Bad Batch? No, no, just being, oh, right. he, being the antagonist <laughs> to the Bad Batch. I see. You know, yeah, I, yeah. it's kind of, um, I think, 
Yeah. I think anything with Star Wars that is going to have Grand mm. Admiral Thrawn, for me, is just going to be, like, awesome. Well, we will be seeing I know in Ahsoka very soon. That's why I can't wait. Mm. Because it, it's a bit like with the um, the Andor thing. It's like, you know, he's not a Force user, but he's just massively strategic, really good. I yeah. like that kind of, you know, them having to come up against that from the Empire. Because, you know, the Empire can't just simply be... Um, Stormtroopers having really bad shots, mm. certainly when they're set up to be even more elite than the clone troopers to some extent. Um, it, it's kind of like why on Rogue One, that, sh- that moment where the, um, Star Destroyers come in and immediately fire and, and take down a rebellion ship uh-huh. is, is to me just stands out because never seen that done from a Star Destroyer. Yeah. And mm-hmm. whatever you think about the Death Star, the Star Destroyers are powerful battleships in their are. own right. They can destroy um, stars, apparently. You know? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I reckon that. But certainly, I, I would like to see Benny. I think there was a great connection, though, with Omega in, yeah. in that, in the end. What, what I'd really love to see from the show, and I think it's kind of the overarching thing that we were talking about before as they start to go around the galaxy, I'd love to see this group grow, and then we get a pocket of a rebellion group built out of multiple characters who can be called upon for whatever missions they want to go on. That would really get the show going on for five seasons if we expanded Mm -hmm. the Bad Batch with loads of different people. And as you mentioned earlier on, Chris, if they went off on their own missions, but it's three or four different people with Hunter uh, who they've picked up and saved from different places. I think that would be really cool to see this growing rebellion uh, as we go on throughout the throughout the season. But I know that's going to be the story for Andor as well. So <laughs> so yeah. uh, maybe they don't want to go that way. Excellent stuff. Thanks so much, Russell, for your feedback. Thanks, everybody, for your feedback. If you want to send any thoughts to us about uh, any of the shows that we're covering, of course, you can continue to email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or pop on over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries. Next week, we will be back, of course, with our discussion about Star Wars The Bad Batch Season 2, Episode 12, The Outpost. Ooh. Excellent stuff. Mm, looking forward yes. to that one. Yes, it sounds like we're going from an Aliens ripoff to a Thing ripoff. Mm. That would be awesome. Yeah, that'd kind be of. cool. My favorite horror movies of all time. Uh, I want to watch that now. Yeah, thanks so much, fellow Batches, for joining us for the discussion of Bad Batch Episode 11. Uh, we'll see you next week. But in the meantime, keep watching, keep listening, and keep being bad. Bye. Bye. Bye.